0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's Podcast. My name is Rivers Corbett. I am your Atlantic Canadian host and just uh, bringing you entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast uh, in the Atlantic Canada region. And today, really pleased and honored to have Rob Boynes as uh, my guest. Rob is the co-founder of Humans and we're going to talk a bit about uh, about the spelling of humans as part of this conversation today. Canada's first modern accounting and bookkeeping company, aimed entirely at a small biz- at, at small businesses, built by the people behind WagePoint Humans. It's h-u-u-m-a-n-s dot com is focused on helping to to make running a successful business as accessible to as many people as possible through the democratization of data and knowledge. A recent Mm -hmm. resident of Nova Scotia, welcome Rob. Rob's career has been based predominantly in product first early stage technology startups throughout Europe and the US with an earlier foundation in media, broadcast and brand. So welcome Rob to uh, Canada's podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, well, like, great, let's just kind of dive in first with the uh, typical, uh, you know, the aha moments, I call them. When you started humans, um, well, first of all, give us your view of what humans is about. And then what I want to know is what made you want to get into, uh, into starting uh, humans? What was the aha moment that you said, I got to get into this and solve this problem?
1: I gotta say, man, the, the one thing I never imagined I would do would be starting a bookkeeping company. So there's, there's that as, yeah. the, as the top line headline. It's, yeah, and you it. know what, it's, it, you know, my background has always been solving problems. And so I've worked in transit startups, I've worked in ticket sales startups. Um, these aren't things that kind of necessarily, when you start out in your career, you think, well, that's where I'm going to end up. Um, but the problem's interesting. And, um, and so humans is interesting because it's trying to solve a problem with an industry that's, you know, pretty unmoved. Like it hasn't really developed very much. It's not mm-hmm. really um, appealing to people who are, who are running modern businesses, e-commerce businesses in an environment where data is moving in real time and markets are crashing and burning 24 hours, you know, in 24 hour cycles. You can't really be in a, in, in a position as a business owner now to, to rely on annual tax returns as a way of an indication for your your business or how it's progressing. Right. Um, And so, so humans, humans kind of raised that kind of that problem um, when we started discussing it, obviously working with, with Bill and Richard from, from WagePoint, they had a very clear understanding coming from the small business environment about the, the, the needs of how, you know, incumbent, the incumbent parts of the small business ecosystem um, pretty much haven't really developed very much, and they they were very disruptive in payroll for small business. They were they came into that market and they made it transparent, and they made it simple, uh, and they made it accessible. And so when we started looking at projects that we could we could sort of tackle and problems that we could kind of solve, um, we'd all come effectively from a small business background, but from very diverse backgrounds. Right. And one of our big issues was as well, it's really difficult for a, for a business owner to work out what the truth is in that business. Like it, it's very, very difficult. And to get advisory or advice or just even the knowledge of how to move things forward is you know incredibly difficult. Um, you know, if you're a, you know, the majority of people who start a small business are not business people. Like they didn't right. go off and do an MBA. They didn't be, they didn't come from the mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to work out all the ways that I can create a small business, and then they go to and do their MBA, and they're like, you know what, the profit margins in cardboard boxes are insane. I'm going to start a cardboard box business, and they go off and do that. People don't do that. They start a restaurant. Um, they 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 start a retail business. You know, these are businesses which are notoriously difficult to do. Um, they they go off and start a landscaping business. They go off and they go off and turn a hobby into a passion, a passion into a business. Right, and. And those people have no business support. They realize it's usually too late that they need an accountant or a bookkeeper. Uh, They need to really understand how tax works. Uh, They need to know how to employ somebody, uh, how that works. It's incredibly difficult. Um, And if they want to grow or expand their business, they have to go into their bank, inevitably, or a broker, and talk business about how they're going to progress their business forward. And those conversations are not natural to them. so we wanted to create a company that was that was focused on supporting that that owner, which is the majority use case, I guess, in, in small business. To support those people and how they could become successful and build successful businesses, and we know statistically that around half of businesses, uh, small business, fails in the first four years. Yep. Typically, that's usually due to a combination of factors. So there's factors that we can help with, and there's factors we can't. Um, if you have a product in the market and the market doesn't fit the product, then you either pivot not... and change. Mm-hmm. But you know that. But part of that also comes with understanding how do you work out the key indicators that you haven't got product market fit, right? Right. So the other major fail factor is primarily those cash and cash seems incredibly simplistic for a lot of business founders. That's checking the bank account, uh, but that's not what cash is. That that shows. Maybe what your free cash, as we call it, would be, but it doesn't show your liabilities. It doesn't show how much money you owe at the end of the month, how much money's churning out of payroll, how much, how much is moving at any one time, how much of that is affected by localized rates or federal rates. So sometimes the money that's in your bank account is actually not the money that you're actually able to spend. Sure, um, and that causes major issues for the, the small business, and the and it's magnified in a small business because if you're a small business owner you maybe get one mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if your business fails or you miss payroll, um, really hard to come back from that. Um, and that's one of the things that we talk about about accessibility, that you know, if you are a serial founder and you have cash reserves and you've done it before, the business is very accessible to you. If you're maybe your father is a CEO of a business or an accountant or whatever, business is more accessible to you. If you are a female founder or a person of color, or you come from um, a minority group, it's actually harder. It's not as accessible to you because it's not culturally, um, it's not as culturally acceptable or culturally accessible to access what good business is, and also how to be successful. And the chances of you failing are going to be higher because you don't have that safety net that's behind you. So humans is really there when we talk about democratization, it's the data is already in your business and those numbers are already in your business, but you don't know how to interpret them and you probably don't have access to them. And we have built a, an ecosystem, a product, a, a company around those kind of core tenants and said, you know what, let's be transparent about it. We're transparent about how we run, you're transparent about your business and we can provide you with, it, with an environment to, to sort of move towards success.
0: So who came? Who came to who? Was it WagePoint came to you, or you went to WagePoint? Did they uh, did, have they been involved since the very beginning?
1: Yeah. Well, Bill, 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 and Richard both exited WagePoint. They both exited their, uh, their, their sort of position in, in WagePoint. Both, I think, with with an aspect to try and slow down their lives a little. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Bill was quite keen to have an experiment with what retirement might look like. I think that lasted about three weeks, uh, and. <laughs> These are these are serial entrepreneurs, and and you know those you know these these names I think in the Canadian in the Canadian ecosystem kind of a are, are kind of known. They they started to to come about looking at new problems in the space that they just kind of actually didn't want directly obviously related to payroll uh, part. They had some issues that they wanted to scratch. Right. Um, I was I was introduced to them through the through the sort of Atlantic startup community. So we started playing with some ideas and started talking, and then it sort of snowballs as these things often do until the point whereby you're drawing up top tables and uh, raising money. And then it becomes very serious indeed. But uh, it's been, a, it's been a fun journey.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So talk to me about the first six months of your business. This is an entrepreneur's show, entrepreneur's conversation. Talk about that first six months of humans. And first of all, I do want to get this question asked before I forget you spell humans, H-U-U-M-A-N-S. Now, that's a branding that's a branding I'll just say dog's breakfast. Um uh, when you start off because the word humans is not typically spelt that way. Can you talk about your rationale for for that and how you have dealt with that very close version of humans but if they don't spell it right they go someplace else on the web.
1: You think that weirdly uh it actually it's actually a pretty good it's actually a pretty good SEO target. Um, okay. Most people who are searching for sort of bookkeeping, or they're searching for our name specifically, uh, would usually go like, "Well, humans bookkeeping, humans whatever," and, and it will still show up if you type in humans. And so, you know, you can always you can always navigate around that. I mean, I've been working in startups since that whole day when we started dropping vowels and consonants just to try and make the URLs work. Nice. And uh, it's it's y- you have to become more of a destination for sure. But sure, modern, S- modern SEO. Kind of allows you to get around a lot of that as long as you're pretty smart right. by doing that. And you, yeah, got it. I recommend anybody who wants to do sort of digital lead gen. Um, even if and it, sometimes it's worse if you have a name that's more instantly, instantly recognizable, like if it was humans, we'd be dealing with a whole other problem. Uh, to, to really just start <laughs> talking to, uh, to really start talking to, um, some really good lead gen operators who know what they do, they're not incredibly expensive. They use you on your side. They're incredibly intelligent. Modern gen is a scientific art. And um, I highly recommend anybody in the first six months who's considering that to be one of their major funnels to seek someone out to support them.
0: Cool, 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 cool. OK, yeah. So let's talk about your first six months. What uh, what transpired? Uh, did you? What was your strategy for the first six months? How did you make out with it?
1: First six months of humans, it's it's difficult to kind of remember that far back because it's one of these things, once you kind of get past year one, it all sort of starts to snowball. There was a lot of discussions really about trying to find um the problem space. You know, we're kind of unusual, I I guess, none of us are first timers. is not this is not like first rodeo stop. Um we've all been in um Overheated incubators, and you know, we we've all sort of dealt with um the dash for cash that happened sort of in the mid mid two thousands, and you know, I, all of us have worked right through the kind of series de. So we were very much in the position of we kind of wanted to have some fun. I know that sounds ridiculous because most people, when they start a startup, are like, well, we have to hit the ground running, we have to hit profit, you know, yeah. we have to sort of start making revenue. We've got to get our ARR and we got to do all that sort of stuff. But there's a sense uh, that I certainly learned coming into this. And this is one of the first times I've kind of in my career where I've got myself to the level of confidence where I can quite happily come into a day one startup and really be impactful. Is probably not the right word because I guess I've always done that, but take a lot of the lead, the lead on stuff. It's taken me probably until I was in my late thirties to get to that stage um, rather than just being the supporting act. It's, the ability to kind of slow down. To be honest, so the first the first six months were us trying not to spend money on things until we'd really done our thought research and uh, and played with the ideas of what it could be. Um, you know, when we started Humans, it wasn't actually designed as a bookkeeping company. Uh, we came at it from the point of view of coming at it from SaaS um, and how could we expose business uh, businesses data. Um, so we. Started working pretty quickly. I was working with some ex, um, ex- colleagues of mine um, that from the UK tech scene, and we were coming up with ways of using bank accounts uh, through a, um, a conduit called Plaid, which allows you or Played, however you want to pronounce it. Um it allows you to take people's bank feeds or test bank feeds, and you can plug it into products. And if you've ever run a budgeting app or anything like that, you've probably connected your bank account. You would have use used Plaid,
0: right? okay
1: so we started we started mocking up stuff around with that working out what we could actually do with the concept of cash and we pretty quickly realized that um, it wasn't really solving anyone's problems it was it was it was nice it was fun it was cool but it wasn't really solving anyone's problems so we had to go back to really what the the core um, requirements were for SMB not to get too distracted Um and realized, well, maybe we have to start looking into the bookkeeping and accounting space, which is good. I mean, both of my founders, co-founders are CPA designated, so they understood that. But, right. Um, and then it was a very boring two months of me trying to figure out how CPAs operate. <laughs> 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 and someone from a design and UX and sort of product background who's used to you know, working at places like NTB and Viacom sitting down and trying to work out how CPA kind of does its job and how they do types right. of accounts. Was uh, uh and you a got through it in t- t-
0: t- and you got through it in two months. That's pretty good. That's pretty fast. Well, see the great the great technique is is learning what you
1: need to learn and right. not trying to master the space.
0: <laughs> right, right,
2: right. Good <laughs> um, story.
1: And yeah, and and I and I guess that that kind of goes for anyone who's starting a business. Is like there's so much that you can try to master, but you can't master it all because you still have to be true to what your skill set is. And I think it's identifying what your skill set is as soon as and as quickly as you can. And if you can, I mean, it's, it, it's a luxury to say that you can delegate it to other people because there's other co-founders around you for a lot of small business owners. There's just you and you mm-hmm. everything. Um But just get enough depth of knowledge where you feel comfortable, but don't feel as if you have to master everything because it's impossible and you'll end up down side tracks and side routes. As soon as you get to the point where you can delegate something, do it because um yeah, I, I'm. I'm always quite happy to be the the most stupid person in the room. That's usually yeah. my goal. If I if I go into any company or if I'm being involved in a merger acquisition and I walk into that room for the first time and there's the company that we're purchasing or whatever, I want to make sure I'm the stupidest person in that room. Um, that's that's when I feel my best. That's when i feel my strongest.
0: <laughs> so you spent all, you spent that first six months doing just sit, sitting down and doing research, getting getting a sense of your surroundings, getting a sense of. Uh... Of the uh, of, of you know what were what were the realities et cetera et cetera is that fair to say and the reason I ask that is you get a lot of entrepreneurs that hit the road running and mm. do their due diligence and so what I'm hearing is you do you were doing further due diligence that first six months.
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it was a there was a certain geographical and political climate around that. We would you know we we started during probably the worst year of COVID, so there was a sense whereby. You know, we we weren't able to all get in a room or go to dinner or do any of those sort of things. Uh, mm. geographically you were split between Halifax and Alberta as well, like building in Alberta. So there was there was never that reality of like let's just do this and get all excited in a room and just start like plowing plowing effort into things. Like we had to schedule stuff and we had to have time to think and we had to kind of strategize. One of the things that I've always found was really was really useful and I've done it in several startups before is to generate memos and circulate those memos around the people who matter. And it's a good way of focusing. It's, it it goes back to that, that, uh, that, that Amazon um, managerial piece, which is that if you want to create a new product, you write the press release first and you work backwards on the press release. And I think that's, that's kind of almost a cliche now in product, but I kind of see that, that being a memo piece, this idea that if I have something which I'm thinking about and I'm working on it and I'm trying to work out how it fits together and I'm not sure, if I try to communicate it with one of my colleagues over Slack or via a Zoom call, I'm just going to ramble on and I'm not really going to get to the point of the matter.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: process of writing it down into 500 words and coming back to it the next morning and looking at it and going, well, this is genius or there's a huge hole in this logic of fixing it. And then distributing that for other people to read, consider, reread, consider, and then come back with questions. It kind of slows down the process a little. Um, so we did a lot of memo writing or kind of, I guess, press release versus press release writing when we started mm-hmm. um, to try and really figure out, you know, what's the, what's the, what problem are we solving here? And what's the USP and, you know, how are we, I always feel like if you can't tell the narrative internally very well, you've got no chance telling it externally. Yeah, totally, and and it's a total waste then to sort of go to a PR and be like, hey, so we got this cool thing, and it's going to take me two hours to explain what it is. Um, and it's contradictory. It's you have to kind of get your ducks in a row, and uh, and that, that once you start scaling your business and once you start bringing in other people who are experts, like we recently hired our CRO, for example, it was great because I can then just hand hand them the memos and say, you know, here it is. I can consolidate those pretty quickly into a deck. I can consolidate those pretty quickly into mm-hmm. like an organizational structure because we're all in agreement of like how we got to where we're at, and um, it kind of gives you a—I don't know—I find I find it—it it gives a certain amount of confidence that I have like twenty odd memos sitting in a Google Doc somewhere that I can pull up, and I can look at them. I could be like, <laughs> "You're an idiot! That was, that was that was stupid! You were obviously going to make that mistake." But at least I can go back through those things and see what my thought process was.
0: Is the essence of the business a, a one company uh, with employees, or is it to bring in i'll say freelance bookkeepers to be part of the uh, the journey what's the how how does the structure of of humans work
1: one company, one world uh, it's yeah we, so the, the, the way that we do and I mean this is kind of getting into again, like when you when you go into an industry and you're trying to I hate saying that I'm going into an industry to disrupt it because it, imma- it immediately makes you sound egotistical that they got it wrong this entire time. Mm, and mm, me mm. with my me with my incredible naivety is going to come in and realize within 30 seconds that I was maybe underestimating the situation, which is a little like what's happening at Twitter. Um, there's there's a sense of coming into um, there's a sense of coming into it in a common market where there are sort of disruptions that can be done and there are marginal gains and there all these sort of things having founders who come from that industry as well um, and know what the defaults are is huge. And so culture for us is really big. Um, And the way that we do the work that we do is culturally kind of relevant within the company. We try to be very efficient. We try to cut down on a lot of the sort of standard things that happen in incumbent industries where you have large org structures and partners and all of these sort of things. We don't have that. We're very flat hierarchically. We're quite flat. Mm-hmm. And so, for us, it's about trying to give our employees a, a, an environment or, you know, our bookkeepers, our tax specialists, et cetera, et cetera, payroll people, a really great environment where they feel that they can progress and grow and learn new skills. And so, I want someone to come to the company who's going to come on as a, uh, as a technologist, as we would call them, which is someone who's primarily learning the ropes of cloud accounting. And Tell them that they could be a CPA and get that designation within sort of five five years or however long, however quick it took them to do that. From my point of view, that would be great if they did that. Um, and we know that in, in the industry as a whole, that's not typically a supportive process. So uh, there's there's a certain hierarchy of designations and, and everything else. So we're very much keeping it all within within the humans, sort of. Mm-hmm. Group, I, I would guess, um, and I think that's important to do that. I think the stuff that you can outsource, so things like, you know, lead generation and PR, and there's a lot of these kind of things that circle around growth business, which need people who are very, very highly uh, motivated and well-connected in that space. But in terms of it being the core part of our business, um, I'm a big fan of not outsourcing stuff until you get the formula. Um, right, right, and, you know. Uh, so
0: you also mentioned about the uh, democratization of data in your bio. Can you tell our audience what you mean by that? I know.
1: I was I was expecting that to come up. I, <laughs> as I was writing the bio, I, I hate writing bios because whenever I, whenever I write one, it makes me sound like, I don't know, that, that I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, democratization of data is an interesting one. It's it's something which I've done in the past. So I was uh, one of the lead products at CityMapper. Um, several years ago. And one of the big things that we did is we worked in the open data system. And so if a, you know, you want to know when a bus is going to turn up, and you want to know it's going to turn up at a certain time so that when you leave the house, you get to the bus stop in time, the bus takes you where you want to go and then you can plan public transit or you can plan a route, you can plan the way that you work. Um, And that's all based on data. That's based on open data. This is data that comes from the bus manufacturer or the company or it comes from um, it comes from the local government. And there's standards for that. There's standards for this open data AI and, and everything else that comes with it. And that's a real democratization of data. And the interesting thing that happens when you have a community which is using open data as a transit piece is that every single person in that community is basically producing data as part of that trip or journey. Um, but it actually improves and uh, is utilized, as long as it's utilized correctly, by the community as a whole to improve it. So, uh, people realize that there's too much demand, they create more bus routes, which is more beneficial. They realize that there's problems with sort of the di- disability access due to transit times, so they mm-hmm. create new disability access. Like there's a lot of these things that, that, that you know, transit data as a whole and government data as a whole does really well. We're not doing that kind of open data at humans. What we're doing is in terms of how we're democratizing data is 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 actually allowing business owners to see the data in their own business. Which is incredibly difficult to do. Um, hmm. you, Why is that? You kind of, because unless you, so if if I said to you, okay, so calculate your cogs for me. Your first question is going to be, is probably as good as what is cogs, yeah. which is cost of good sold? And mm-hmm. then you're going to be like, well, I'm going to Google what the calculation is for that. And then you're going to have to get all of your accounts, which are probably not reconciled. You're going to have to reconcile them all, make sure they're all accurate. And then you're going to export them into a CSV, and you're going to run the calculations on it in Excel or however it is that you, you choose to do it. And you may up after about an hour or so, with a COGS figure. And then I'm going to ask you in the day's time, what's your COGS? And you're going to have to do it all over again. And so that's one figure. It doesn't include like your free cash. It doesn't include your debt to interest. It doesn't include your liability rate. It doesn't include your life payroll. It doesn't tell you how much of your employee benefits are going out. And these are numbers where you can see them spike really quickly or you can see them crumble because of a market factor. And so what we want to do is we want to create an environment because all the numbers happen through the ledger, it happens through the book. When you submit your receipts and we reconcile weekly, which no one else really does, you provide us with the receipts, you upload them through the phone app or you know you can post them to us or whatever, however you want to do it. We put them in. We have bookkeepers who are working on your on your ledger in real time. and They know your business. Um, they create these live ledges. Uh, these then go into the dashboard, which is unique to you. No one else can see it unless you choose to share. And uh, we do those calculations for you, but it's updated in real time. Um, and you can see that trend over time. And you can see it. we can give you a little bit of a prediction over the course of your last three months how your next month's going to look, bearing in mind the seasonal variants
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. That's the part where we want to start building, you know, more and more powerful things on. Now, if you were in a large business and you had hired a CFO, that's their job. So they would come to you as the CEO of the business and they'd be like, hey, Rivers, like, I'm a bit worried that our payroll is down on a spike a little bit. But look at the benefits. People aren't spending their benefits. But, you know, look at the free cash. We're holding too much free cash. So, you know, by the time tax time comes, we're going to have to try and move it somewhere. And they would do this because you would have a weekly finance meeting where you would be told of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And your sales department would tell you what they're bringing in and finance would say what's going out, and then you as a CEO would make a decision. 99% of businesses ain't that. So what you're able to do in our world is we kind of fill that CFO, COO crossover. Um, you know, we're not here as a financial advisor, but we're here to show you a mirror against your business and show you the facts. And let you make those decisions. Um, and one of the biggest parts in making those decisions is the knowledge gap that comes with that. Uh, and that's something that we're concentrating on sort of this year, which is we've just launched a knowledge center, an insight center. And we're trying to create articles based on and, and sort of insight and reports based on stuff that's relevant for small business um, to navigate like why a burn rate is important. How do you calculate it? What do I do with this burn rate? Like what does it tell me? Like if, uh, if, my, if my lender asks me for a cash report, what do I give them? Um, these are questions which if you Google them, you'll have 20 different answers. And so uh, you know, we're, we're working pretty hard now to, to sort of really uh, plug that knowledge gap for, for 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 owners and give them a, a, a like a trust trusted resource.
0: And so, in that regard, do you meet? Uh, does your team meet with uh, your clients on a regular basis, uh, a weekly basis, a monthly basis to offer that value added service?
1: So we do, we do work weekly reconciliation. And what we do is, which I as far as I'm aware, and this is where the, I'm sure there's someone who's incredibly sharp that to the market with article, but no. Um, we offer we offer uh, pretty much next day service on support um it's free for you to bother us with your questions um it's not billed like most services would so you email us you have a um you have an email that we give you uh, which is you know it's not unique to you but it will get you an immediate response from your bookkeeping team mm-hmm. and you can ask any questions you have like you know how does this impact my child benefit we will we'll tell you within 24 hours. um you know it's not it's not a big deal for us to to do that. That's how we built our business to provide that level of support. Right. Because right. from our from, from our point of view, the more knowledgeable you are as an owner, the more efficient we are as a business. Right. So instead of support being this, right. this anchor on a on a business, which is typically what it is, our support actually for us is a um is you know, it's a mutual benefit for, for both the, the customer and for us. Like everyone benefits out of that that higher level of support. Um, on some of the higher plans depending on how complicated your business is um we offer things like you know a monthly check-in with a bookkeeper where you'll sort of get half an hour to go through the reports go through everything that's on your dashboard already they'll explain things that you don't know they'll give you a heads up on certain things that may be changing that sort of stuff it really just depends how much involvement you want from us but the baseline for us of unlimited support which is usually same or next business day is kind of our Key SLA promise, I would say, which is the the thing that we kind of you know live and die by.
0: Do you uh, have you heard have you get any pushback from the traditionalists who do uh, bookkeeping? It's uh, have you have you heard any any bites back from them? From no, is, not is I I, no, not yet.
1: No, not yet. I yeah. I don't know. I don't go to accountancy conferences, so. <laughs> 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 it's um it's it's very strange because I'm not I'm not part of that world. So um right. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to solve problems. I don't tend to get involved in the in the the sort of the the industry, the the deep part of the industry. I'm just you know, I I was gonna say myself as a um coming from a UX background, um, which is once once things transitioned into iPhones and iPads, I moved pretty squarely away from sort of brand and sort of traditional media design into UX, which got me into the technology space. Right, and it was drilled into me from day one when I moved into that space that you are the advocate for the customer. Like you defend the customer, or you defend the customer against sales, you defend the customer against bad actors. You can, you know. Mm. And so that's that's kind of always stuck with me that um, I'm defending my customers. I don't care what the industry, for the most part, thinks.
0: So what about what about sales? Give us a sense as to how your uh, how your sales strategies work.
1: Sales so strategies have been interesting. So we've we we kind of acquired a bunch of clients early on who have been sort of great for us. They've been a great test bed. We had to kind of figure out quite a lot about how we were going to work. We have things called pods, which is actually kind of based on the, uh, it's actually based on the Spotify model of basically creating small, um, effectively families that are self-sustaining that can take on certain levels of workflow within their own teams and have what we would call ownership over what happens in that team. So we don't, Kind of have to directly manage them, they kind of manage themselves. Um, they get the work done that needs to get done when they need to get it done, and they they figure out what training needs to happen, what support a client needs, and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, they're with the client, they defend the client, that's their job as well. Um, so we just try not to get in the way of those, and that makes them super efficient and obviously much happier because they have a of what they do. Um, but defining that model you know, takes that, takes that first 20, 30 clients. Right. And you have to kind of like figure that out. Now we're kind of getting into this next phase, which is okay. So we've kind of figured it out and we know that it's not going to break. And we kind of know what our trajectory is going to be. And we've kind of put enough planning in place whereby we have built the big snowball, and we've managed to lift it to the top of the hill. Um, you don't want to make sure your snowball's too big. So you don't want to invest too much effort into that because you know, as soon as it rolls, it's going to go in the wrong direction. But, at least you can get some momentum <laughs> on it um that's that's a fine art and that's that's an art where you know um incredibly grateful that i'm working with someone like bill murphy who knows exactly the size of that novel. uh but the that, that that at that stage then you're kind of moving into kind of a growth growth environment so it was good for us i guess in that first that first year to try and really determine you know anyone can say that they have pmf product market but, um, Actually. Working out what the product market fit looks like is a little bit more hard, and a lot of people don't really think about that. And so, being able to say, "Well, okay, like we think we have that now, let's now double down and push." And so, we recently hired our. Uh, we kind of took a bit of a risk, I guess. You know, a, a lot of companies at this phase wouldn't necessarily double down and bring in a a, a senior sales leader. Um, that's not the typical way that you would do it. You would kind of bring in someone who was just there to sell on the phone. But, you know, this industry demands um, talents that are very different. Um, This is uh, quite a jaded industry of business owners uh, who sometimes feel like, you know, and we we even said on the website and I I stand by that copy still that running a small business is one of the loneliest, hardest, hardest things you can do. Mm -hmm. And it I I started quite a few businesses. Um, I'm still in awe of anyone who does because I think, like it, there's this kind of like this cross bit of like heroism and like stupidity that comes when you start a business, and there has to be this kind of like this this other vector of like naivety that allows you to get through it. Or if you've run a successful business or even a business before, just the, not the naivety but the forgetfulness of what what pain is. Um, but we we kind of know who these people are, and we know that you know they they you know the small business market, whether it's Google Mail selling you more Google Space or whatever, it's incredibly predatory. Um, everyone's after five bucks a month, um, and everyone's trying to get you to sign up. And like as soon as as soon as I created the humans domain, I was getting emails to my Gmail asking me, do I want to offer? Opt- offshore stuff. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Right. This is only five bucks a month. This is 20 bucks a month. Right. Everyone's trying to get you the price of Netflix right per month for whatever service or thing that you want to do. Um, you know our research was showing that there's like you know at least at least sort of two, three thousand apps that are purely based around that specific area of the SMB market that are all charging this amount of money with a free trial and then it continues on no credit card required. Um, and so I think most small businesses are just you know an owners are overwhelmed. Um, but they're also, uh, jaded quite rightly, um, by a lot of people who claim they have solutions to their problems. Right. Um, and so that's why we, we're not taking, we never decided to take that hard sell approach for us. It's more about, um, setting up, setting up the stall well. Um, and certainly in the Maritimes, it, it's, it's, it's a different beast because it's, um, it, it's, it's more of a word of mouth in America. Yeah. It's, yeah, it it's, is. Like, people's level of trust is, is, is orientated far more towards what their friends define. And I can't go out and just sort of like buy a huge amount of Google ads and just say, Hey, come sign up to my thing. Cause everyone's going to be like, well, I don't know. Now to kick the tires a bit. Is that, um, the,
0: is that strange for you to uh, work in an environment like that? I'm,
1: I'm originally from the North of England where it's like that. And so I'm yeah. up by the bo- I was I was born up by the borders, which is you know smallest small city, and um, and sort of you know a lot of the same. Put it this way, I, I understand you. I understand you from the list, uh, which a lot of people don't. That's just because of my my sort of my background. But um, there's a real sense of um, yeah, like trust within trust within the community, and it kind of says quite a lot. Like if you if you say that you're a your maritime founder business, that actually means quite a bit. And it's amazing. how Many people have asked me sort of like, you know, where are the founders from? And like, Well, you know, you know, Bill's from Cape Breton. Oh, he's a Cape Breton. Okay, right. And that always kind of surprised me. But that's also one of the things I love about the Atlantic as well. You know, So it's, um, you know, people are very, uh, very, very supportive of small business. And I think that's, um, especially in the maritime businesses, I've kind of always joked that if you open the business uh, in, in Halifax, or Dartmouth, then you know, there would be a queue around the block probably for the first two weeks while everyone checked out your wares, right?
2: Yeah,
1: Um people are very supportive and very loyal, and you know that's something which, you know, you don't you don't get every day. I couldn't launch a company in Toronto and get that sort of,
2: no, sort of
1: response, right? Yeah.
2: So, what brought you to Nova Scotia?
1: Wow, well, combination of things. I, I, I well, I'll say primarily my wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. You know, so we, I've been coming here for quite a long time, uh, primarily because we have family here. Um, and I, I'd just been working in the last, the last sort of one of the last jobs I did before I before I moved here. it was kind of split between LA and London, which is really not the best time zone blend. No. Um, and I sort of got to the stage of my career when I was kind of like VP layer and sort of series CD companies. And I, if any if anyone watching this has ever done that kind of role, well, then you know the, the you're probably getting flashbacks of panic hitting you in the face with the sound <laughs> of slack and uh, everything else. So it was it was just something to sort of like the, the need to make a, a life change. And of course, you know, my wife and myself had sort of recently found out that we were also pregnant around that time. So it was it was a really good opportunity to sort of really make a big new life change. Um, and I, I already had a lot of love. For the Maritimes, anyway, at that point, um, so it was very easy for us to kind of slip into this, to fit into this this environment. It reminded me of you know my time growing up in Newcastle and and in the north of England. It was, you know, the, the Maritimes a very special space. You know,
0: yeah, it is a special space. Well, Rob, this has been a very cool journey um, learning about uh, learning about humans. Is there anything you'd like to leave with us? Um, I'm going to ask you, how do we get in touch with you? How do we get in touch with the uh, humans.com? It's just really dot scom
1: as as you know, as as Bill very co- very put put in a very corny way, we put the U in humans, which I right. I, I I think we should never have that as a branding statement. It's terrible. Uh, but it's yes, it's H-U-U uh humans dot com. Humans.com. Um or you can just Google humans bookkeeping, however you want to spell humans, we'll we'll know that show up. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're we're we, we're not just the Americans, we we're nationwide. Um and uh, yeah, we we offer payroll plans as well. Uh, so if you only have to payroll, and uh, we also have for those people who have got a new business or a startup, uh, we have fifty percent off in the first year, twenty five percent off the second as a startup plan program. So if you nice, are nice. new to need a business, have a look at that, and yeah, come on over and sign up, and uh, we'll get someone on the phone with you to have a chat.
0: And it's Rob Boynes. If you want to check him out on uh, you're on LinkedIn, uh, yes. Yeah, I
1: am. All that <laughs> I thought so.
0: Yeah.
1: The bane, <laughs> well, so. The bane, of the,
0: uh, the bane of the business on this existence. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> well, Rob, thanks so much for your time today and coming to do us to chat uh, about humans and the great things you're doing, and uh, all from from Nova Scotia, which is uh, of course a key part of the Atlantic Canadian ecosystem. So, uh, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks very much, Rob. appreciate
2: it.